I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Can he save the Bucks? Can he save his career? We do a deep dive on Tampa Bay running back Doug Martin on this edition of the Rick and Tom podcast. Also a change with the Rays and a look ahead to the American League wildcard game. Hey, everybody. Tom Jones, Rick Strop, Tampa Bay Times. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the podcast. You can find us wherever you find your podcast each and every day. You can listen to us on SoundCloud or at TampaBay.com. But better yet, subscribe to us. Go to iTunes or, like I said, wherever you normally get your podcast. Big week for the Bucks. Already back at work, working hard to get ready for Thursday night's game against the defending champion, New England Patriots. And one of the guys back at work for the first time in a while, Rick Stroud, is Doug Martin, Dougie Fresh. Did you talk? Was he in the building? You out there on Monday? Did you see him? Yeah, I saw the muscle hamster. No, he hates that nickname. Why would you call him that on a podcast? The I love Dug-inator. that nickname. I love that. Dougie the Doug. That never caught. What was what was the one he liked? The Dougator. It never caught the on. Dug-inator. It hasn't caught on. Do the Dougie. <laughs> Better, but still hasn't yeah. caught on. Muscle hamster works. Anyway, works for me. <clears throat> D Mart was there, uh, <laughs> and he. Uh, yeah, he he was excited. I mean, what can I tell you? And they were excited to have him too. You know, aside from the fact that they can use his talents, um, assuming that you know he he is the runner that that rushed for fourteen hundred yards and not the guy that was injured the two years previous to that. Um, I think that you know Doug Martin brings a lot to that football team, and that's sort of what I wrote about in the Tampa Bay Times is that. Um, I don't know if the status of beloved is is a little too strong, but it's pretty close to it. You know, he is a guy that that is universally loved in that locker room. I mean, he doesn't. You know, there are cliques in any locker room that you know. You know, maybe the DBs don't really hang out with the offensive linemen who always hang out together. Um, right. But Doug Martin's a guy that would you know kind of kind of blends in with everybody, and he's for the most part he's always upbeat. He's he's always smiling. Uh, I think you got a, a little taste of, of both the reverence they have for him and sort of his, his lighthearted sense of humor during Hard Knocks. I always refer to that, but if you remember the Rookie Talent Show, he was the guy that was sort of like sweeping them off the stage with a broom. You know? Right. And and so, you know, he's he's definitely one of their leaders and, um, you know, I don't know how much he'll play on Thursday. He says he will play. They waved Allen Cross to make the roster spot for him. But I think uh, you'll, you'll probably see him, you know, play a good amount. Just depends on how he's able to hold up and what his conditioning is. You mentioned Rick about how popular he is in the locker room, and I know you wrote a little about about this for the for TampaBay.com. Just what was the reaction when he walked into the locker room today from his teammates? Uh, well, they were all happy to see him. I think he was there early. He had to have a physical, and he passed that, by the way, uh, which was good. And then, you know, like, for example, um, you know, he's playing. Uh, they, they have a – this is the new thing this year. It's, you know, a lot of teams have – they have a ping-pong table yeah, tennis. But is it uh, with the ping-pong? The Rays have one, too, in their clubhouse. Yeah. I, every time I walk in – by the way, I looked up the Rays ping-pong. I looked – it's an unbelievable ping-pong table. And I looked it up, and it's thousands of dollars, I believe. I think this thing what? costs thousands of dollars. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable how nice this thing is. What's like it I got of? one. 
I don't know. I don't, I don't know if, if it's made out of gold or what underneath, but it's a nice ping pong table. I got one in my living room that my wife bought years ago for the kids from, I don't know where it was from, played against sports or Joe's ping pong tables or whatever. And it's probably, it was probably 30 bucks. This thing, these things are unbelievable. And I saw the one that the bucks have. It's incredible. These things are unbelievable. I didn't know that you made ping pong tables. That it's, nice. I don't get it. What is it, it about? It is people? really nice. I mean, I yeah, the ones. That, um, did you have the the multi like? Uh, yes. Uh, you know, you, you can play everything. Play air hockey or something on it. I don't you know. Could, it was it. it's on top of a pool table. It really wasn't a regulation size pool table yeah, either. And the kids good. love it. The kid, no, you could play backgammon on it and Chinese checkers and all. <laughs> you That's ever have one of those? You get like twenty games of one. Yeah, it's not the real. So I'm guessing I was a little cheaper than the one. That the Bucks and the Rays have an air clubhouse, but anyway, so he's playing. He's playing ping pong. So he's today. playing table tennis or ping pong or whatever you call it. I don't know. Uh, and so Gerald McCoy walks in, and it was just, you know, I mean Gerald's kind of, you know, that guy. Anyway, he's got a lot of personality, but he he's, he walks in and you know he throws his arms around him and lifts him up off the ground because compared to Gerald, you know, Doug's <laughs> Doug's pretty small. <laughs> so it was like Doug, you know, and it's just. Um, you know, it's just kind of he got that reaction. Pretty much everybody went up to him. Everybody was happy to see him. And, you know, um, these it's funny because these guys are kind of beat up, kind of tired and sore from playing on Sunday. And Doug's like, well, I got fresh legs, you know. So right. that's the one thing he can bring them right away is, is a guy that uh, hasn't been through it as is yet anyway. So, Rick, explain this to me, because I'm sure there are a lot of people who are listening to this podcast who would who who aren't thinking like teammates. Who, they're thinking like maybe more emotionally. And that is, wait a minute, here's a guy that they rely on. Here's a guy that they count on. And he did something to basically get suspended and, and could have really put the team behind the eight ball to start the season. So why embrace a guy who basically kind of screwed us by getting suspended for four games? What is Why don't the players react that way? Is it because of his personality or do they understand sort of what, what he's going through or how would you describe why they would be so forgiving of Doug Martin? Well, I, I think because in, in an NFL locker room for a guy that has as much sweat equity as he's had, I mean, this is, this is not just an average player when he's healthy. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, is a two time pro bowler and all pro, um, you know, somebody that was second in the league in rushing that those are hard accomplishments. So on the field, he has that respect. Um, and then he's family. I mean, this is the thing. It sounds cornballish, and I try to explain this. It's maybe different than other sports, but, you know, they have the whole NFL football as family. Well, mm-hmm. inside those locker rooms, and families do fight and don't get along sometimes, but, you know, at the end of the day, they, they, they love him the way you, you would, you know, a family member and for all his flaws. And they also realize, look, that could be any of them, really. You know, I mean, you mm-hmm. – you know, you live in a high-pressure world of, of professional athletics. I'm not making excuses for Doug Martin. He had a problem. No, I think you're um, giving a, a good example of why. And I think a lot of guys do. Him. A lot of guys do. You give them money. You give them time. They make a bad decision. They come into the league, you know, and Doug's now 28, so there's really no excuse. Um, but he, he, he had an addiction problem. He went to rehab. He put in the work, you know. Um he feels like he's gotten better as a result of it. He went 45 days to a rehab facility. So they know what he's been through. They know what football means to him. And and I will still say that, you know, there's probably nothing like you can find players. You can um, do a lot of things to them. When you take football away from them and the way the NFL does it, when you're suspended, 
you can have no contact. I mean, you can't be in the building. You can't go to a game. I mean, one time I wrote a story. Akeem Tlaib was suspended for one of his, God God only knows which, which mistake he made that time. <laughs> um, but he was suspended. And, and I got word that, you know, he went to a game and was sitting in the suite that he paid for every Sunday with, with his, some family members and friends. It's like, no, you can't even go to the stadium and watch the games. So, you know, it, it's almost like, you know, you're, you're sort of, you're, you're, you're sort of isolated. Um, and I think, I think when players go through things like this, uh, you know, they get, a, if they don't get a good whiff of what their priorities should be and how much they love the game, because, you know, ever since they start playing when they're 10 years old and my son played through high school, it's, they're better when they're regimented. They're, they just, they, they function better um, when they have a team, when they have, you know, OTAs and lifting and, you know, uh, that sort of thing. And it sounds odd, but I'm sure that Doug, who went out and trained in California to stay in shape with trainers, was a fish out of water. And I think he probably appreciates, you know, what it means to be back in that locker room and able to go out and play with those guys. Yeah, they don't miss the. I mean, they miss the money, but they don't miss the money as much as they miss, as as you mentioned, everything else. Because Doug Martin's fine financially. It's it's the daily routine, being part of a team. And I, I'm sure there's a part of him who feels guilty. He realizes he hasn't been there for the last three weeks, particularly in games where they're not running the ball very successfully. I'm sure he takes that some of that onto himself. That hey, I'm letting the team down a bit. Now here, let me ask you this, Rick. That's where things are on the first floor at one buck place. There's they're glad he's back. They, they, they love him. They trust him. Let's go up a floor. Let's go up to the second floor of one buck place where the coach's offices are and where the GM's office is. And do they have that level of trust? Do you think with Doug Martin, or do you think they're looking sort of in having a wait and see attitude? Like, well, can we rely on Doug Martin or do we have to still have to keep our options open in terms of whether we can trust him to be our running back, not just with what he's been through in terms of whatever addiction he had, but can he stay healthy? Is he, is this a guy who can be our running back for the next 13 weeks? First of all, I just like the, the virtual uh, sort of tour of the building that you're taking with us <laughs> going upstairs uh, past the wood paneling. There's a secretary here. Well, let's walk into Dirk Cutter's office and there's a helmet from every place he's ever coached or played. And over here is a book. It's from Dr. Seuss. Never mind. I've been in that I, office. I've seen that, Dr. Seuss. That's right. All yeah, the Dr. places Seuss. you will go that's is the right. name of the book. Anyway, uh, so much for the tour. What are they thinking upstairs? They're thinking, you better be right, son. We need you. Um, yeah. Because, you know, they don't know. Uh, you, you know, you think you know, but you don't know, as John Madden would say. And, and the thing about Doug Martin was, from an outward appearance, at least, it's not like, I don't know how to put this. Okay, so let's say he had a player. Let's say his initials were ASJ. And let's say he was a tight end. And he liked to drink a little. Okay? Maybe maybe that said player would come to an off-season workout or an OTA and, and be a little hungover or smell of alcohol. Okay? There's an outward sign, right? right. This dude ain't getting it. You know, like he's got an issue and he's taking it onto the field with Doug Martin. There were no signs, you know, it it just dude tested positive (laughs) and that was it. You know, he worked hard or so they thought, um, he, you know, he was accountable. He was on time, you know, um, didn't seem like he was out of it. 
it's just he had a bad habit and there was no warning. Well, there's not going to be a warning the next time if there is one. God forbid for Doug. So do they trust him? Well, I mean, there's there's three other running backs on the team. And, and you know, if they have to go through the season with, with those three, they're certainly prepared to do so. I would tell you that, and, and maybe this it certainly worked out for him this year, at least given the injury, but I will tell you again that Dalvin Cook was going to be a Buccaneer. And, you know, despite some of the off-field situations and whatnot, I really firmly still believe that, that he had a really good chance of being picked in the first round until O.J. Howard fell to them. And as it turns out, Dalvin Cook now is out for the year with a torn ACL, and that's unfortunate for him because he was going to be a great running back and, and hopefully will become one again. But, um, and, you know, it, it's things happen. And when they did, yeah, I mean, the, the bet, next best option was, you know, let's let's battle through these three games Hope that Doug's head is right. Hope that he gets through his his problems, you know, not just physical but mentally and and gets to a good place and goes does the work, and he did, and that he comes back and he's the Doug Martin that rushed for 1,400 yards because the one thing about Doug Martin is that when he's motivated, his rookie season, for example, then he had two years of injuries. Then they didn't pick up the fifth-year option, so now he's playing for a contract, 1,400 yards again. Well, now Doug Martin is playing for his entire career. I mean, he, he lost the guarantees. Now, if he's on the roster and he's a vested veteran, he's going to get his $5 million this year. But there's no more guaranteed money in his contract after this year. There's no, there's no cap hit if they were to cut ties with him. Um, so he's playing, he's playing for the rest of his career, whether it's with Tampa Bay or somebody else. He is on a contract here. So I think they're hoping, and that's all they can do, right? They're hoping that Doug Martin, um, when, he's, when he's motivated, when he's in shape, and he appears to be those two things, uh, and can be lucky to stay away from injuries, he's a very good running back. And they're counting on that, um, but only to the degree that, you know, you always have a contingency plan. And I think we saw it for the first three weeks. Well, and I don't think it's good enough, and that's why Doug Martin's here. I, I think Doug Martin is clearly better than the other three guys that they have there. Charles Sims, I don't consider Charles Sims to ever be a candidate to be a number one running back anyway. He is what he is, which is a, a sort of a – almost like a third down back and can catch the ball out of the backfield. But I don't think he's a guy you can give the ball 22, 25 times a game and feel good about, at least not on a consistent basis. I said before the season, we both said this in the offseason, Rick, on different radio shows and, and in the newspaper and on TV shows, that we thought that Doug Martin was going to lead the team in rushing for this season and lead the team in rushing yards and be clearly their number one back, even knowing that he was going to miss the first three games. Let me ask you this, though, Rick, just to be clear. If they would have taken Dalvin Cook, Doug Martin wouldn't be here at all right now, would he? I don't think so. No, because he had forfeited that guaranteed contract for this year. Um, and, you know, being that he would miss three games, I mean, they would have just they just gone with Dalvin. I think they probably would have said to him, um, look, we have we have our running back for the next three to five whatever years. Um, you're still 28 years old. You still have an opportunity to hook on with a team and probably would have released him shortly after the draft. That's just my guess. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know why else you wouldn't do him that way. At that time, he was still going through his personal battles um, and, and still in rehab. So, um, you know, I don't know how that might have affected it. But, no, had they drafted a running back in the first round, as it turns out, they drafted a running back in the fifth round, Jeremy McNichols, who, you know, got cut and wouldn't re-sign on the practice squad and now right. is in San Francisco. So, um, but, you know, he would not 
In my my opinion, he would not have been here had had they drafted Dalvin Cook. I think it's great that he's back with the Bucks. I think he's going to have a, a good game on Thursday night. My, now, maybe not the, the best the game he would have had had he played the first three games, but I think mm-hmm. he's going to get back into swings pretty quickly. I think the Bucks are going to be a much better team with Doug Martin at running back. I, they ran the ball decently on Sunday. Pretty good on Sunday. Yeah, and I think they'll run it even better with Doug Martin. Doug Martin's one of those running backs, Rick, and you can tell early in games if he's got it or not, and it makes such a big difference. And we've seen that guy outright win football games. Now, it's been during the two years he's been healthy. You saw a game, I think it was in Minnesota a few years ago. It was like a Thursday night game where he just mm-hmm. went crazy. And you saw another game in Oakland a couple yeah. of years ago. I don't know how many of those games he has left in him, but I think he's a guy that can consistently get you, you know, 80, 90, 100 yards uh, when he's healthy and, and, like you said, and motivated. And I think he's both right now. Well, healthy for now anyway, but I yeah. like him. I, I think he's a terrific running back when he's healthy. I think he's going to be a huge difference to this team. I think you're going to see such a difference in this offense. And I think other teams have to account for him a little bit more. I think he's, I think he's that type of player. He's a noticeable player on a, on a, on an offense that has a lot of weapons already. I think it's just going to be a big thing for the bucks. Yeah, they do have a lot of weapons and, and they got to get some of those guys involved um, that still aren't involved like Deshaun Jackson. I think that's going to be the next thing to watch um, is to see if, you know, him and Jameis can hook up because in games like the one they're going to play Thursday night, you need dynamic uh, playmakers. You need uh, guys that can, um, you know, create those uh, splash plays and those explosives because you know that no matter how bad New England's defense is right now, Tom Brady is going to score points. And you may need to score 30 or more. I like the Carolina it's, that's Panthers. That's the number. Though. That's the number right there. It's over 30. You have to score more than 30 to win that game. I Good chance. Yeah. Unless it's bad weather or something like that. But I, I think it's. I think they're going to – and they'll give up because they're, they're, New England's offense is going gonna, is gonna to score 30 points. And here's the thing, too. They're not rushing a quarterback that well right now, the Bucks. and there's no, no. way you're going to get to Tom Brady. Tom Brady – Well, now you him. say that, Tom. Tom Brady has been sacked 13 times already this year. Not He's been hit 26 times this year. Not the offensive line is struggling a bit. And I know what you're saying. I mean, they didn't hit Eli Manning all that much. They didn't sack him at all. And that offensive line is probably the worst in football. Um, so they are having trouble rushing the passer. The difference in Tom Brady this year and the New England offense and what you're used to seeing is that, you know, when they had Julian Edelman and, and these kind of guys, they still have Danny Amendola and some. But they were a get-the-ball-out-of-your-hands, you know, sort of, throw it out on the perimeter, let them make yards after the catch, and not a whole lot downfield. Well, this year it's totally different. I mean, Tom, one of the reasons he's getting hit is because Brady's getting back there and holding a ball and launching it with Brandon Cooks. Um, you know, I mean, they have guys that can get vertical, and he's averaging over nine yards an attempt, which is really a lot. Uh, so I, I do think that, you know, Brady is, Brady is not very mobile, to say the least. And and they may actually give give the, you know the Patriots may give the Bucks a chance to get to him because everybody has, so we'll just have to see. Uh, you know, Belichick was asked about that um, today or yesterday by uh, the New England writers, and he kind of took offense to it. Well, we always try to obviously protect the quarterback, create holes in the running game. And do all the things that we try to do to move the ball and be successful. So that's that's what we'll continue to do. Contact sport, and guys are going to get hit on on the football field. I mean, I think that's that's reality. So 
we'll do the best we can to try to win games. That's, that's what we're going to try to do. Not really sure what you're suggesting. I guess I just wondered if there was a way to minimize those hits and whether that I might be a part of seven help. times a game. Is that, is that what you think we should do? Run 70 runs a game? Well, so what? That's your franchise. The <laughs> yeah, dude's exactly. 40. As Mike Reese said today on ESPN, he goes, I got three numbers for you, 40, 26, and 13. 40 is how old he is. He's been hit 26 times and sacks 13 times. And, you know, and Belichick doesn't seem to think it's a big deal. Bill Belichick, did you got, you had a chance to talk to, to old Billy, Bill, Billy uh, Life at a Party on a conference call on uh, Monday, didn't you? We're on to, we're on to Tampa Bay. We're uh, got to coach better. <laughs> I guess you got to play better. First, hand, first question, right off the bat. Right off the bat, somebody, you know, was like, uh, well, it's our good friend Ira Kaufman, uh, was asking a question about um, their defense. And uh, it was like, yeah, uh, Bill, uh, Coach Belichick, uh, hey, defensive line, is there, a, uh, is there a common theme, something you see is wrong there, uh, giving up some By yards. the way, for, for people who don't know Ira Kaufman, that's a dead-on, that's a dead-on, Imitation. I've always enough. said that. I've always said Ira Coffin. People who don't do imitations do Ira and do Ira well. Everybody. Sure. Everybody ever. does. Not Steve Ludzik. I covered. We covered Steve Ludzik. Ira and I with the old Tampa Bay Lane. Steve Ludzik was the most humorless guy I've ever met. Could or not could do, do an imitation of anybody. Did a dead on Ira Coffin. But I had John Gruden. You know I do Gruden. I had John Gruden do an Ira Coffin. <laughs> and to Gruden me, can't do anybody. Gruden can't do anybody but Gruden. You know, no, but so. he. But it was Gruden. I tell you what, man, where's that Ira Kaufman? Where's that guy? And he used to say, I don't know why Ira became our podcast all of a sudden tonight, but but nonetheless, it was it was funny to me because we were at the Super Bowl, and he goes, I remember what that guy said, you should run Allstat. Why don't you run Allstat? That was Gruden doing Ira Kaufman. So see, everybody <laughs> does. I'm doing Gruden doing You're Ira Kaufman. You're doing Gruden doing Ira Kaufman. That's how so good it's, Ira is. So it's very bizarre. Anyway, he asked, uh, you know, some question about the defense and the line, and, and basically Belichick began our conference call with the quintessential Belichickian. Uh, we just got to coach better. Got to play better. Got to coach better. That was it. I was like, wow. Wow, this is going to be a long day. Or a short <laughs> one, depending on how you look at things. But he got better after that. Would you want to cover Bill Belichick? And I ask you that question, Rick, because as obviously as members of the media, we like colorful guys. We love, you know, John Gruden could be a pain in the ass sometimes, but he was – a great guy to come. I don't know what you're talking. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I tell you what, but, man. I hear some but, things about you too. Okay, Tom Jones. You know what I mean? A lot of people every time call I you talk that. To John, every time I talk to John Gruden, he'll say, uh, "Hey, man, where are we going to get that beer?" And I'm like, "Hey, well, anytime you beer. want." And then two years go by, and I never hear from him. Anyway, I had a beer with John Gruden. I'm sure you've had many. Yeah. I've bet over the years with John Gruden. But no, you know, no, here's I what I'm had saying. Many, but I had one. Here's what I, here's what I'm saying about Belichick. Would you want to cover a guy like Bill Belichick who gives the media nothing and he's hard to cover, but at the same time you would be covering what I think is clearly the best football coach in the history of football? What would would you would you enjoy covering Belichick? I I don't know that the word enjoy would pop to my head. Um, I think it would be interesting, and yeah. you know if you've been on that ride, you, you've been to five Super Bowls with his teams. Uh, or one five, he he's been to seven, right? Just with the just with the New England Patriots. So, right. Look, the guy is you know in his field. I mean, he's Bill Gates, right? I mean, he's a genius. And sure. So I, I think that from that standpoint, I've I've actually heard 
interviews with him um, where, you know, it was probably the off season and him talking about, you know, his influences and his dad and, and stories about, you know, teaching and when he learned um, that to challenge, you know, sort of the old way of doing things, you know, like people when he's coming up and, and coaching football, they just, this the way we always did it. Right. And Bill was right. like, well, that's not a good, really good reason to do it. Is it, you know, and he'd come up with his own game plans and, you know, they didn't make any sense, but they did to him and it worked, you know, and early right. in his career, you know, something worked. He's like, well, that's, that's it. Then I'm going to do, you know, what I want to do, not just because it was always done this way. So, I mean, th there's a lot of layers to him. And I think that, that, you know, from a journalistic standpoint, um, you know, it might not be fun. I mean, there's more days than not, you're just going to get, you know, shut down. But, um, but witnessing that and seeing how he, how he motivates and what the Patriot way is and the relationship with him and Brady, I, I think that'd be fascinating. I mean, most of the guys that cover him really enjoy it. I think too, Rick, the guys that cover him, I bet you have probably learned how to navigate Bill Belichick to the point where they sort of know what to stay away from that, that elicits those answers of, well, we're just, we're looking on the next week. And I, I, cause the same thing happened. I covered John Tortorella for a long time and I have people who are not from this market who said that must've been a nightmare to cover John Tortorella. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. And I say, no, he was actually really good. And he spent a lot of time with the beat writers and treated the beat writers actually better than the national media. And he was a guy that that was really insightful and taught taught me a lot about the game of hockey and about about athletes and modern day athletes. And the players actually really enjoyed playing for him. And I don't think you ever saw that side of him if you only saw the clips when he was yelling at the yelling at the New York Post or, you know, the some of the things that happened to him on the rare instances where it, it became sort of a national story, but on a day-to-day -day basis, when it was just you and him and maybe a guy from another paper, he was absolutely great. And I wonder if there's a little bit of that with Bill Belichick, as far as NFL coaches, Rick, I don't have to tell you, you've covered a lot of NFL coaches. It's a different breed. The access is so much different than it used to be. I mean, you used to sit on a back porch with Monty Kiffin and it's hard to do those things anymore. You just don't, you just don't have the access that, especially you have in other sports with, say, a, a baseball manager like Joe Madden or Kevin Cash or, or certainly in hockey where coaches are really accessible. In football, it's hard to, you know, there's 30 people in a room every time you talk to Dirk Cutter. It's hard to get Dirk Cutter alone or Bill Belichick, whoever. But I bet you Belichick is probably a lot more fun and better to deal with if you're around him every day and you sort of know how to deal with him. I don't know the word fun would pop to mind necessarily, but I, I do think <laughs> – um, I, I do think that you probably become, uh, like a meteorologist, right? You probably understand when the storm clouds are gathering and, and what to stay away from. Um, and you know, we, I mean, that, that's kind of every coach though. I mean, we'll walk in and, you know, it didn't really matter who it was. I could predict it's the way certain questions are phrased, mm -hmm. how certain coaches are going to spike it. You know, if you set it up, they're going to spike it the same way every time. If you set it up and act like you know what you're talking about to him. 
to any to most coaches, they're going to spike it right back to you. You're right. Because it's like, yeah. wait a minute, are you telling me what you know about the game or do you ask me what I know about the game? And the thing with Tortorella yeah, was funny, was like Tortorella's the guy I always go to. You had to burn the first question. It was like a burn card in, in poker. You know, you turn one and yeah, burn one. You sure. had to burn the first one. Like So the first question, it had to be something that you had no reason to, to care about the answer because he was going to give you a good answer. It, mm-hmm. it, was a warm, it was a warm-up question, yeah. And then the second question was going to be the one that's like, all right, now we're going to start the interview here. So uh, anyway, yeah. it'll be fun. Later in the week, I th- I'd like to get into uh, who's more responsible for the Patriot success. Is it Brady or is it Belichick? I'm sure you have some... Uh, my thoughts on answer that. will surprise you. I, you know what? I go, I go back and forth every day. I'm going to have to think more about it, but we'll do that on an upcoming. We'll probably do that uh, leading into Thursday night's game. Um, anything else going on over at one buck on Monday, Rick, any, any surprise, any, any closer to knowing Levante, David, Quan Alexander, those guys, they're probably unlikely. Don't you think? I don't know about Quan only because he had tweeted out something about, um, he, he said, we're back baby or something like that. So I don't know if he's speaking to the third person, or if he's talking about the team in general, um, or there's somebody named Wee Rear. I don't know, but he he could be back. I mean, the hamstrings, like Levy used to say, "Oh, Tom, the hamstrings." I, you know, I, hamstrings are hard. Nelson, are we allowed to tell them things. about what's going on with the injuries? We Nelson don't have to. It's Monday. Do that? we tell them who's playing? No, we don't <laughs> tell them who's playing on Monday, Nelson. So yeah, um, so I don't know, but Levante's definitely out. And you know what? Uh, the way. Kendall Beckwith played, um, you know, nine tackles, called the defense. Um, they don't need you know, Levante they, David anymore. <laughs> that's right. You want to save five and a half million dollars? I can do it right now. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going on with that, but uh, you know, credit to them for for getting by. But I, 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 it sounded as if, you know, maybe Quan was tweeting his way back into the lineup i just don't know we'll know more he was on the injury report did not practice today levante did not practice today um dj uh, tj ward did not practice today and i can't remember who else uh well i mean that those are those are the good news for the bucks is that brent grimes is back because i think that's going to be a big deal boy that oh guy makes such a difference on that team never realized it. 35 years old and look back at the numbers that he had against Odell Beckham Jr. The times he actually lined up against them and like didn't get anything. Had a pretty didn't get anything. Beckham had a really good day too, and it was all off of everybody else or when they were in zones or whatever. But yeah, fifteen targets and yeah, I actually went. I I felt compelled like this. This is stupid of me to do this, but I had missed the scrum, you know. But I was just kind of hanging around, and Grimes was there. (laughs) I was like, like he needed to hear this from me, right? Hey, man, not for nothing, but he had a hell of a game today. He's like, thanks, dude. I'm like, yeah, no, really. No, nah, really. I, I just, you know, wanted to say that for some. Un- well, if you know weird, who I am, I'm a uncom- pretty big deal around <laughs> That's here. Right. I think you had a good game. Uncomfortable <laughs> reason that I thought I'd say congratulations because Odell Beckham didn't get squat douche off you, and he didn't. And um, he went in to say, though, you know, th- I mean, look, that when you see the Giants, do you see an own four team? No, 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 not <laughs> at all. all. No, like not at they're all. scary good, right? I mean, those I receivers, that, all three of those NFC receivers. East and I don't know why they're not leading it. I wrote, and I well, mean because they've, they've lost four games. But. I understand that now. Yeah, I understand how the math works. <laughs> Let me but. show you how this works. The most <laughs> wins just... lead the division. <laughs> oh, okay. That's how it goes. No, I thought it was, I thought, uh, I thought they were good. I thought they were a good football team, and I thought they played well on. That's why I'm impressed with the way the, the Bucks pulled that game out. I'm impressed with the victory because I think New York is a good team. I, they don't look going four to me. 
Boy, I've heard some from some fans, and I, I actually, you know, in an alternative universe, can you imagine what today would have been like? Can you imagine, if you will, if Dirk Cutter does the exact same thing? Mm-hmm. You know where I'm going with this. Yes, I do. And Nick Folk is one or two yards further back, and that thing hits the left upright, and doink, Bucks lose. Can you imagine what this day would have been like? Now, you know, been. it didn't happen. The Bucks won. Right. You know, and we don't have to play It's a Wonderful Life and all that. But, man, like I've, I've heard from, from people that I know that are Bucks fans and others that were just sitting in the stadium going, what are they doing? And the only and the, the thing you come up with, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but the thing you come up with is, is, is buy the book the way you go because if it does go wrong, you say, well... I mean, come on. I did everything right. I got the timeouts. It's a 34-yarder. Guy's got to make it. He's in the NFL. What do you want me to do? Like, is that the safe play? Or would you have the or, – or is it is it – like, is it gutty to do that? Or is it – or would you say, look, I just watched my kicker miss three, including one from that same distance as an extra point. I'm not taking a chance with this guy again. I think the way Dirk looked at that situation, Rick, was that, okay, if if they try to score a touchdown there, a lot of things can go wrong. They could hand off to the running back and they could have a fumble. If Jameis tries to throw the football, maybe he throws a, uh, an interception or maybe it's like a holding call or something, pushes him back out of field goal range. I think he looked and said, okay, there are a lot of things that can go wrong, including scoring and giving them the ball with 35 seconds left and giving them enough time to go down and the Giants enough time to go down and score themselves. Or, you could do the smart thing, which I think is the thing that most NFL coaches would do, which is, man, if we can't make a 35-yarder, forget it. Like, we, we, we're we not going to win this game anyway. We don't deserve to win this game. I think that was the least risky thing to do was let your kicker line up for a 35-yarder, even though he missed one earlier in the game. From well, that you I, said if we can't make one, they just proven they couldn't make one from 30 <laughs> know, for 33, from 40, whatever. I mean, that was the thing, and I'm just saying that, like, had that not worked out, I can only imagine what what the stories would have been. But I still think that a lot of times, the you know, the book is the safe way to go, and mm-hmm. it's almost who could blame him, right? Because it kind of is right. the right thing to do. You get the timeouts, you center the ball, you you know you have faith in your guy, whatever. And yet, I'm telling you, they move that thing back another yard or two, it's doinking off that upright, and it's a different day. What if they go for it? Jameis throws an interception on a goofy play. You know, it hits off a guy's hands. It, you know, they should have been interference, but they didn't call it. And ends up an interception. Would we then be just Hell crushing yeah. Dirk today by saying, sure why didn't you just kick the field goal? It's a 35-yarder. I know he missed three, but what the hell? That's what you do. You kick the field goal. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to make that one now. So you can't win. And he did what he thought was right, and he got away with it, and it was the right move. And, and now they're 2-1. and one. Yeah. So two scoreboard. And one Chance to get exactly chance to go three and one Thursday night. We'll have lots more coming up on the next couple of podcasts, getting you ready for Thursday night's game, Patriots and the Bucks at Raymond James Stadium. Rick, the uh, Tampa Bay race cleaned out their lockers on uh, on Monday. A couple of things came out of that that were interesting. One, Tom Foley, who's been a longtime coach with the Rays, uh, third base coach for a lot of years, and then Kevin Cash's bench coach here at the last couple of seasons is moving on to another assignment. He will still have a little bit to do with the major league team. He will have a lot to do, I'm guessing, with spring training and, and minor leagues uh, once the season gets started. 
This is interesting to me, and maybe I'm reading way too much into this. He's been there pretty much since the beginning with the Rays. Uh, just let me throw a conspiracy theory out there for you. Is that <laughs> Tom Foley was... C-O-N-spiracy. Here we go. Tom Foley was never going to be the manager of the race, ever, ever. Could you now put a... I'm interested, let's put it this way. I'm interested to see who the next bench coach is because it might be, I wonder, I wonder, Kevin Cash's replacement someday. Mm. Mm. You mean like from AAA? Maybe. I don't I, no, I don't know that typically your bench man, your bench coach is a, an older veteran guy, a guy that is not going to be a Jared Sandberg. He's not going to be a guy that's sort of the coach in waiting necessarily. It's going to be a, a, an older veteran guy like Tom Foley was. And you want a guy in that situation who's not looking to be the next manager, but I just, I'm curious as to, it just seems like an odd change. Tom Foley has been a good company guy over the years and it just seems he said it's mutual, according to Mark Topkin. It's and he's still with thing. the organization, right? It's still with the organization, but it felt like it was a mutual decision. So there was somebody on the other side, whether it was Kevin Cash or somebody in the front office who felt like maybe this is not the best fit anymore for him to be Kevin Cash's bench coach. Well, I don't have the answers. Interesting to me. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't have the answers. Perhaps they feel as if, you know, when Kevin got here, first of all, he didn't bring his own staff. That's they true. had one waiting for him. And then secondly... You know, a guy like Foley would be a real asset to a, to a first-time manager at any level, and he was doing it in the major leagues. Now the cash has, you know, been around the moon twice with his team. That's a good point. Then maybe they, maybe Kevin Cash and others feel like he's got this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now it's time for Kevin Cash to decide who he wants on his bench. I mean, somebody that he has a relationship with in, in a past uh, stop along the way. So... Could just be that. Could just be that the you no, know they feel confident yeah. enough that he's grown up and and Foley feels like you know he really doesn't doesn't need me anymore. Um, let's let him bring in his own guy. Uh, I don't know, but that's that. I would think, I would think Cash is in a different place than when they hired him. That's a good point. It's good. It's a. It's certainly another uh, alternative to me suggesting that he's t- about to hire his. But I like your <laughs> I like your idea that there's bad blood and uh, somewhere Foley is just sticking the knife in him, you know. And no, it's only no. a matter of time before Kevin Cash is replaced by the guy he's right. bench coach. I'll tell you who they should get rid of, not Foley. Yeah, uh, you know, that's <laughs> that's not gonna uh, happen. The other big news: Evan Longoria says that he plans on being here to start the next season. Rick, he doesn't think that he'll be traded, and he has every intention. Hopefully, of uh, of starting the season and ending the season with the Tampa Bay Rays. By now, that's that's what you say when you realize that they could trade you and it's out of your hands. <laughs> that's, that's exactly, exactly right. what you say. So that when you do leave here, you go, "I was perfectly happy at Tampa. I don't. Know, I didn't see this coming. Did you?" Right. I I really think that that Evans a smart guy, and he realizes that one of two things are going to happen. This team's going to deal him, okay, before he becomes a ten five guy. Uh, which is, you know, 10 years in the major leagues, five years with the same team, right? Uh, right. And in a row. And uh, or they're going, you know, he's going to come back and, and then it'll be on him and, and he'll be perfectly fine with, with playing however long he wants to play here until they come to him and they mutually agree that, they, that it's time to leave. So either way, I don't know what else Evan LaGore could say. Can you Can you imagine him saying anything except that he said what he said? 
No, no, that's what he pretty much what he has to say. The other thing that the, the uh, race talked about, Rick, and I've been waiting for this. Team officials, according to Mark Topkin, are still exploring the possibility of extending the the netting as far as to get into the dugouts. I don't know what the what there is to explore. Do it, just do it. Put the nets up as far as to get into the dugouts because I, I go to games, Rick. You go to games, and it's not even a situation of well, fans need to pay attention. Those balls come so hard, so fast over the dugouts that even if you're looking, somebody could else could put their hand up and deflect it to a point where you can't stop it, and it hits, it's going to kill somebody. Somebody's going to get killed. It happened in hockey. We had to wait for somebody to die in a hockey game, a little girl, before netting went up behind the nets uh, at, at all NHL rinks. I don't understand why teams are waffling or exploring or thinking about extending the nets. They just need to do it. I agree. It doesn't make sense to me. And I'm, I'm curious why the players union, uh, which is the strongest union in sport, probably hasn't taken the lead on this and said, I thought they have. No, I we thought they've been a little stronger about the, yeah, than the owners. They, have about they it. should pretty much say, you know, we're not playing unless you do it. I mean, it, it's not worth somebody dying over. You saw the reaction that, uh, that they had with the Yankees when the little girl uh, took a baseball in the face. Yeah. And I, I just don't, there's no rational reason why you would leave it up to the clubs. You know what I mean? And this this idea that well, if you. I buy a ticket yeah. in the fine print, there's a disclaimer that indemnifies them against any lawsuits because I've, I'm I'm sitting 60 feet away from a ball traveling 100 miles an hour that could you know dent my brain, but I chose to do it. It just you know the funny thing is is that the most expensive seats in a ball most ballparks are where right behind home plate, right? Sure. Well, they put nets there. Absolutely. So what makes them think that they're less attractive if there's a net down the first base or third baseline? I don't get it. I, I, just I tell don't. you what, I've sat behind the net at NHL games, and everybody come the first week of the season they complain like, oh, I can't see the, I can't see through the net, and now you don't even notice they're there. You don't even right. notice that they're there. And I've sat right. behind home plate at baseball games and I sat behind the screen, and it's never how much impacted you don't notice my it. way. I'll tell you how much you don't notice that when you when you are sitting behind one of those things and the ball comes at you, you flinch. Yeah. You flinch absolutely. Watch That's it on how TV. Much you don't People are jumping it. all the time. Yeah, yeah. Just get it done, Ray. Don't let's not st- stop exploring. There's nothing to explore. Just do it. Uh, there is a wild card game on Tuesday, Rick. Twins, Yankees. I think the Twins. Every year they make the playoffs. They play the Yankees and they get destroyed. I was up in Minnesota when I lived there. They played the Yankees every year in the playoffs, and that's the look. The Yankees were at the height of their powers back then. They had Jeter and Mariano and uh, Bernie Williams and, and all those guys, and they used to get destroyed in the playoffs. Here's the thing: I would like to see the Twins because it, it would be cool to see the Twins win a playoff game against the Yankees. But then I realized I have to watch the Twins then for the next <laughs> week <laughs> at a best of five against somebody, and I'd rather watch games at Yankee Stadium. Because that's postseason baseball to me. I don't care about the Yankees one way or the other, but it's more interesting when the Yankees are in it. Well, if if you know history is any anything, I think the Twins just in general. I, I think I saw the day where they've lost twelve straight playoff games. If that I'm not mistaken, right. it's like a major league record. And of course, they their record against the Yankees. It seemed like they play the Yankees if they ever make. It's like an automatic thing. Twins are in. Yeah, you're going to New York. <laughs> New um, York. You can't go anywhere Book the else. Flight. Yeah, that's right. So, it's on the pocket schedule. Yeah. And, you know, the Yankees, they were 11 or, I don't know, something in two this year against against Minnesota, and they got their best pitcher on the mound. They're already talking about, hey, how long should we let them go? Four or five innings? Because our bullpen's <laughs> going to shut those guys out. <laughs> it's really, I mean, they're talking, they're just talking right past them. Like, uh, So, now, when does the series start with Boston or whoever we play next? 
How many tournaments have you played in Rick as a kid, AAU and all that stuff where it's like you throw your, you throw your bad pitcher in the semifinal game. Cause you know, you're going to win that game because you got to save your best guy for the final. And then all of a sudden you don't get to the final. You, you must've played a million tournaments. Like yeah. That. Well, my, I, would, I usually played in tournaments. My dad was coaching and he actually did not do that. He was, he kind of went the other way. We'd run out of gas, you know, we'd be in the championship <laughs> in the second day of a double header and I'd be thrown, you know what I mean? It'd be yeah. like Johnny Holstaff because we, our ace got us here and we just didn't have him. But I, I just think you can't, you know, you can't, you can't deposit, you know, your best pitcher. I mean, right. There is some strategy to it, but you know, you got to win today and worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. It's just, it's just the way it goes. If, if you can set up your pitching, then that means you won the division you know, and won it with a few days to spare. Uh, if you don't, then that's your punishment for it. So who you got, Yankees or Twins? Oh, I got the Yankees. Yeah, I'll take the Yankees yeah, as well. Hey, before we go, Rick, some uh, obviously some sad news. It was a, it was a devastating day. Uh, of course, we, we woke up to the news on Monday of the tragic shooting in Las Vegas, and it just the, the details just keep getting worse and worse. So certainly our thoughts and prayers go out to, to the people in Las Vegas. And then... Uh, later the day on on Monday, we hear that Tom Petty, the uh, iconic rock singer from the state of Florida, and I think he's a. I've I've made this comparison. Well, let me finish the story. We we don't know exactly what Tom Petty's situation is. There were reports earlier in the day that he had died. There are other reports that no, he had not died, but he was on life support. Uh, certainly, he's in a, a situation after having a cardiac arrest where uh, his his. Um, his life's in jeopardy, and certainly our thoughts go out to him. I, I'm a big Petty guy. I like Petty a lot, but I compared him to Springsteen. And to me, if you're from Florida, you're a Petty guy. And one of my buddy, one of our buddies, Rodney Page, is a Petty guy. Whereas if you're from the North, like I am, you're more of a Springsteen guy. But I think everybody likes both of those guys. I can't think of many rockers or, or rock and roll people current that uh that are seem to be universally loved like tom petty i don't know anybody that didn't like tom petty or doesn't like tom petty i mean i grew up in florida uh that's that was our guy i mean gainesville you know is not that far away but um the longevity that he's had you know since the heartbreakers i've actually you know i was going through sort of his list of hits and trying to think like what is my favorite petty song right and then what, what what I immediately think of every time I see one of these songs is they were all in a movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like every mm-hmm. song, like American Girl. When she was an American girl Raised up in Silence, Silence of the Lambs. Of the Lambs right? Yeah. Right? Jerry Maguire. Uh, Jerry Maguire. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like all these we songs. We did not plan this up, by the way. We have not set this up. I know exactly. No. You're exactly right. It's crazy, right? But uh, that's how popular the songs were at the time. And, and they ended up uh, they ended up in movies. But I don't, I, I like, you, you might not like, you might not like this choice. Refugee. Great. You know what's funny? Uh, what's funny? More interesting. They're all good, though. There are, there's a, my favorite song, and I noticed this 
as I was looking on Facebook and Twitter, as people were reacting to the news that, that Tom Petty, uh, at first we thought he was dead. And then, and then as the day went on, still people were talking a lot about Petty. And the thing that I noticed is that when you have a truly iconic figure, a legend, everybody has a different favorite song. It, and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. typically it's not even like the hit, like a hit. It's not even something that Sometimes. most people, like for you was kind of, that's a little refugees, a, a well-known song, but it's one of those, it's not, it's probably not in his top five most famous songs right. of all time. My favorite song is actually a song called crawling back to you. Which it's it, no one ever hears. It's one of the, it's a deep track off of a so he he did this album without the heartbreakers, and it's it's one of those songs that I just absolutely love, and yet I don't know if anybody else thinks it's their favorite song, but it's just so uh, many, just yeah, so it's many. just so many. And it, the other thing when 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 you talk about Tom Petty, I noticed this this was maybe two months ago. Jay Cridlin, who's the music critic for the Tampa Bay Times, yeah. made the argument that Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and I disagreed with him on this, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers are the greatest American band ever. Now I always think of Tom Petty as more of a solo artist than as part of a band, even though it's, wow. it's kind of like it's kind of like Springsteen, like Springsteen the E Street band. To me, yeah. it's Springsteen. Still Springsteen. But he made a really when I first read the, the article, I read the headline, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, greatest American band ever. And I thought, and I like Jay. Jay's a good guy. And I thought Jay's Jay's crazy. He's gone off the deep end. And he's just he he must have had something happen in his life where he loves you know, something with a girl, something that makes him love Tom Petty that way. And then he, he laid out the argument and it was a really good argument about longevity and hits. And again, things like his songs appearing in movies. And he made a really valid case for Tom Payne heartbreakers is the greatest American band ever. It was interesting. Good stuff. I think it was a girl. I think it was multiple girls. (laughs) And if you're my age, uh, I can almost attach a girl's name to every song of somebody I was dating at the time. So, there you go. That's the you way know that goes. Here's the other thing, too, Rick. Uh, you know, my son came, talked about Tom Petty today and how really? devastating this was. Really? And, yeah, when you have, I mean, because well, he's, he's a musician, he's had, so. Well, no, my, well, the youngest one, too, plays guitar, but he knows who, very well of where who Tom Petty is, knows yeah. all of his hits, and it just goes to show you that it spans generations, too. So. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, Tom Petty, uh, one of the great ones. Uh, so, okay, so we have uh, the next couple of days coming up. Lots going on. Again, we got the Lightning opening up on Friday. We've hardly talked about the Lightning at all in this preseason. We got another wild card game coming up on Wednesday that we'll look at Rockies and Diamondbacks. And of course, we move closer to the Bucks and the Patriots on Thursday night. Should be lots of fun. So, uh, thanks for listening. Subscribe to the podcast, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow.